1: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. And this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a new conversation that I had with Laura Vanderkam. She's been on the show a number of times throughout the years, always a great conversation when she comes back on. And if you don't know Laura, she studies time. And in this conversation, we're talking about her new ebook, The New Corner Office. How the most successful people work from home which is drawing on her 18 years of experience working remotely plus Her original interviews with managers, employees, free agents, people, in other words, who have perfected their remote routines as many recently have found themselves suddenly in the middle of. So Laura and I share some back and forth stories about places that we both got hung up in making that transition work as well as making it work seasonally because it's never the same for very long. But some of those things that you can hold to and make work to make work work (laughs) at home. So I'll get out of the way and just say, enjoy this conversation with Laura Vanderkam. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome back to the show, Laura Vanderkam. Laura, welcome back.
0: Thank you so much for having me back.
1: Like I was just saying, pre-record, anytime you're doing something and somebody from your, you know, (laughs) minions, I'll say, uh, (laughs) (laughs) they reach out and they say, hey, Laura's got this new thing. I'm like, I'm in whatever it's always oh, it's always good you. yeah i mean you've been on the show i think four times maybe five i don't know but it doesn't really matter you've always been a solid guest and so i always knew that uh, you're in the forefront of this productivity world this time management world because that's what you do you spend you've spent years one working from home and we're going to get to that in a second but two studying time and it's so important to do that especially now and so I got to ask this, this new book, The New Corner Office, how most successful people work from home. Were you thinking of coming out with this prior to when everybody just kind of got slammed into and forced into doing that if they could? Or was this kind of a product of the times?
0: And this was a product of the times. So it made a very quick pivot um, when all this began happening in mid-March, um, my agent and publisher were working together on on an idea and sort of said, okay, well, what about doing this? Um, that this might be of interest to people. And I... Uh, started a new podcast on April 1st that was called The New Corner Office that looked at tips on working from home since another, a number of, you know, companies had expressed interest in, in reaching audiences that, that were related to this. Um, and, and so I we thought, well, maybe there's a book here too. So we decided to do one and uh, wrote it and then came out in July. And the reason that was, Possible is that it um, is being published as an ebook and audio book, not as a physical book. And it turns out that physically printing a book and shipping it through warehouses and two stores adds a long time <laughs> to the publishing process. Right. And we were able to pivot pretty quickly.
1: That's great. Yeah, and and one of the things I want to say is that not only this. Audio and, uh, again, audio its right at the alley of any podcast listener, so check that out for sure. But the Kindle side of things, it just makes, by releasing it digitally, um, the ability to, hey, if we're going to put this out there quickly, let's not put fluff in the book, you know? I, I just – every time <laughs> – I mean, you know this. Anytime you pick up a book, it's like, okay, you've stated your premise. Now you're, you know, it's kind of like writing a report instead of actually convincing somebody. It's like a Ted talk. It could be a Ted talk instead. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, everything needs to be condensed that far, but I'm, what I am saying is strip out the unnecessary. And that's exactly what you did here. It's, it's super to the point. It's incredibly useful. Like this is honestly, in my opinion, for anybody who is not got a lot of experience or even is, has been doing the past few months and still struggles, or even if they figured some stuff out, there's still a lot more to figure out. Trust me after, you know, cause you, you both, you and I have been doing this work from home thing for years. And honestly, I can count that there's probably 20 different versions of it that I've done probably, probably much more than that, right? Like you've probably done that many different uh, change-ups of how you've approached it uh, until you kind of finally got a handle on it.
0: Yeah, I think that's how it works. And of course, a lot of people have had to make those adjustments so quickly. Um, and, and going a hundred percent remote in March, uh, this wasn't something they'd maybe been toying around with for years and trying a day here and there. I mean, it was just go overnight, you know, if your business wants to stay operational. And so no wonder it was tricky for a lot of people. Um, But certainly, you know, working from home is a skill, and people are getting better at it over time. And so I wanted to write a manual for people who were looking to incorporate this into their work life for the long term. I mean, yes, this came out of a crisis, but I'm pretty sure that remote work will be with us for a long time to come. And so I wanted to write about how to work from home productively and ambitiously.
1: Well, and, you know, having gone through the book, you've covered basically all the bases. Again, we don't want to say that this is prescriptive that like, hey, if you just follow everything in this book, everything's going to be fine because we understand there, we're still in kind of somewhat of a crisis mode for a lot of people out there. We don't want to gloss over that. But again, like you said, long term with work from home or remote work is a better way to put it often. This is that kind of blueprint, this pathway forward. I think for a lot of people.
0: There are a lot of upsides to remote work, and unfortunately, right now there are some downsides for many people who um, are needing to combine remote work with caregiving responsibilities. For instance, um, that maybe in the long term that won't be so much the case. So, if, if people are finding it doable right now, and and you know with all that's going on, just know that this is going to be much better <laughs> in the future. And uh, yeah, I think a lot of organizations are realizing that, and they may be a hundred percent remote right now, um, but I, I think as we come out of this, they'll reach more of a a hybrid model of, of doing some days in the office and some days at home. And for a lot of organizations, that can really be the best of both worlds.
1: Yeah. In other words, there may be a necessity right now, but there could be a potential to truly thrive later on.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, there really are strategic advantages. Commutes take a lot of time and a lot of energy. And they basically accomplish nothing. I mean, this is wasted time in, in most people's days. Wasted time that keeps them away from their families, away from healthy habits like exercising, and they're not really working either for for most of the time when they're commuting. So it's kind of wasted time. Um you know when people work from home they can often work in the way that they work best I have in my jobs particularly in summer in offices I've often been freezing because the air conditioning is set to a certain level and whatever level that is apparently I like things warmer um, and and so you know I've been in sweaters and shivering and going outside every you know 30 minutes to try and warm up and clearly you're not productive when you're doing that um, whereas at home I can set the thermostat at my happy place and just in Enjoy that, or set the hours that you'd like to work. I mean, even in very progressive offices, there tend to be very strong group time norms. Like, there's a certain time when most people are there by. There is a certain time when most people leave. And you know, if you disappear for big chunks of time during the day, people are going to wonder what's up. And that doesn't mean you'll get fired for it. But there's enough of a sort of noticing that people often don't experiment. But when you don't have those strong group time norms, you might be empowered to say, "Well, what if I started work a little?" Later, like what if I've always been a night owl and you know I'm really pretty much useless at 8 a.m. but I've had to be there? What if I shift my hours later, getting more done, working the same amount of hours? Isn't that cool? Or you know, maybe I like to take longer breaks during the day but start earlier and end later. You know, that doesn't work with the group time norms, but I can do it when I work from home. So, lots of ways people can be more productive.
1: The way that you start the book is with with the first um, I don't know, I'm trying to think the basically the first principle. Uh, that you state is this idea of, uh, managing by task and not time. And you were just talking about how, you know, there's these norms of when your quote hours are. But if you get outside of thinking about hours and you know, you're not, you're not just filling a seat. You're not just sitting there waiting for phone calls or to delete emails or filter them or whatever, but that if you focus on the task and accomplishing the task instead of filling time, I I have found that this is a great setup. I was really appreciative that you set up from the get-go, this uh, perspective shift?
0: Yeah, because it's so much more efficient to manage by task instead of time. And I love time. I mean, this is what I spend my life studying, but it's really not the most important variable. I mean, we can all see that there are moments when you do something You know, achieve some huge breakthrough and it can take two minutes. (laughs) You know, that what were the other eight hours? Who knows? Um, But there's other stuff that obviously does take a certain amount of time. I'm not saying time is, is useless, but I think it's more when we do escape from these group time norms um it can be helpful to say well what does a good day look like what would constitute an honest day's labor and to decide this you know with your team decide it with your manager decide it for yourself you know set goals for any given week that would be challenging but doable break those down into daily task lists what would be challenging but doable for any given day and then the upside of doing this aside from knowing that you've for sure gotten stuff done um so you feel very accomplished uh, is that you can also end the day Uh, because one of the biggest challenges for people who work from home is not knowing when the day is over. When you're in an office, like the day has to end at some point. You have to get in your car or get on the train or whatever and get out of there. When you are working at home, you don't have that automatic end to the day. And you can wind up feeling incredibly guilty if your laptop is sitting there and you're like, but I'm watching TV. I shouldn't be watching TV. My laptop is over there. You need something to tell you that the day is over. And knowing that you were supposed to get through, let's say, these five challenging tasks for the day, and you did, can then allow yourself to say, okay, I'm good. I I have marched my miles for the day. I will march again tomorrow.
1: Yeah. And having that, again, that pre-discussed designated three to five tasks that are specific. They're manageable. They're agreed upon by you and whoever else, you know, whether it's you're part of a team or you report to somebody or report people report to you that having that predetermined amount really, really helps. And honestly, it then allows you to say, Hey, if I just do these five things, I've, or, or even three. Depending upon what they are, uh, you can more feasibly take breaks throughout the day in between those times or in between working on one of them, even you don't have to just say, "Hey, I get one thing done and then I finally get a break. you can take a break in between a task that's okay. I give you permission um, <laughs> but uh, but by doing that, that predetermined uh, you know I, I like to talk about the, all of these these uh, logistics as ho- the homework of productivity by doing some of that, suddenly you have less guilt, you have less pressure because you know exactly what's ex- expected, and then you can knock it out and lather, rinse, repeat for the next day.
0: Exactly. Yep. So that's what it means to manage by task rather than time.
1: One of the things that I like that you are also uh, promoting in this is you plan on Fridays, and I'd love for you to discuss the, the why and how of that. And it, and it doesn't have to be just Fridays, although I also do Friday. I have found that that works the best for me.
0: So I plan on Fridays um, because I, need, I think everyone needs a designated weekly planning time. You need some time that you know you will look at your calendar, think about what's coming up, ask yourself what you would like to do with your time over the next week or so, figure out when those things can happen, deal with any logistics, um, deal with any challenges you can see are coming up. But, you know, spend that designated weekly planning time figuring stuff out. So it needs to be once a week at some point. So then the question is, what point? Um, lots of options. Some people do it first thing Monday morning. Um, some people do it Sunday night. Um, I have found that Friday is better because A, it's during the work week. So if you need to call people or set up meetings or anything like that, you know, you could probably reach people. The other upside of Friday afternoon is that you're not really doing much else. Like most people are not highly productive on Friday afternoons, you just kind of hanging out till the weekend. So Taking a few minutes to plan the week ahead can turn what might be wasted time into some of your most productive minutes of the week. Um, the other upside of doing it on Friday is, you know, it also allows you to think about your weekend if you haven't done that. Ask yourself if there's things you'd like to do over the weekend. But it also keeps it keeps you from experiencing those sort of Sunday night blues. And I find one of the reasons people find Sunday's is challenging is that they know there's a lot of stuff waiting for them on Monday, but they don't have a plan to deal with it. And so you can spend part of Sunday figuring it out. And then if you get to the office on Monday and make your plan, then well, you spend what could be really go time, execution time on making decisions. And, and you know, Monday morning has a rather high opportunity cost, whereas Friday afternoon does not. So choosing Friday afternoon to make your planning time uh, has many upsides. You set your plan for the week. You can then relax and deal with it Monday morning.
1: I even kind of refer to this as passing the baton to my future self or next week me or something like that. Yeah. You know, because again, that's part of the problem is that people can be super fast. But if somebody fumbles the passing of the baton, any other team could win. And so <laughs> it's really about buttoning up things. It's about closing down, not only, you know, each and every workday, uh, which we can talk about a little bit too, cause that's part of the rhythms that if I button up Friday and I set myself up Monday to just walk in and start executing well without having to say, now, where was I? What did I do? What do I need to do? Like, write myself all that, you know, basically write myself that instruction list uh, and have it sitting there ready to pull out of a planner or sitting there on my desk or startup file or whatever is best for you. By setting myself up that way, Sunday's less dreadful and Monday's less hard.
0: I totally agree. Yeah, I love walking in on Monday morning and be like, these are the things I need to do today. And I don't spend that time that, you know, is valuable go time. Like you feel like you can take on the world Monday morning don't spend it making a decision of what I'm going to do, which means that you don't then get started on your work till Monday afternoon and Monday afternoon you're kind of already fading for the day. It's better to capture that energy. And so doing the planning in the afternoon and then the executing in the morning can, can help with that.
1: Uh, what we're alluding to here a little bit so far is especially with this planning on Fridays is is basically getting the rhythms right. And I love that you call it that literally getting the rhythms right, because I think out of all of the things that I've struggled with when I've worked remotely from home now for gosh, it's been like uh, seven to eight years now. Um, it's always been that the rhythms get off kilter a bit based on seasons and people, other people, not me, no, me too. Uh, and so that they always kind of need a, a little bit of a calibration from time to time.
0: Yeah, I, I find that getting the rhythm right is, is very challenging for people, and particularly when you work from home and don't have those group time norms that we've been talking about. Um, you are responsible for setting your own rhythms, and that is a brilliant opportunity, but it can also be challenging for many people. And so you know, I have people think about, well, how am I going to start the day? You know, how can I match the most important work to the time when I'm best able to deal with it? How can I plan out the types of tasks I do during the day, figure out what will fit in a day? That's that's an important thing to figure out too. When am I going to take breaks? Um, because we all do, in fact, need to take breaks. What will those breaks look like and how can they actually help with my energy levels? And then just as importantly, how do I end for the day? How do I know that the day is over? And I, I like to think of... You know, the medieval monks like chanting through the hours, that, that these chants through different times of day give the day structure and help people manage their energy through the day. Time isn't just this amorphous thing, which is what a lot of people have been feeling over the past five months, that time feels indistinguishable. A uh, day is not distinguishable from each other, weekends indistinguishable from weekdays. And so you can put your own markers into time. And by doing that, you can manage your energy and get a lot more done. So you know, figure out what the rhythm is that works for you. I mean, The monks weren't allowed to choose their own rhythms, but you can. Uh, and if you do, you will find yourself much better about how your day-to-day life goes.
1: Yeah. And a lot of that comes down to, again, like you were talking about earlier, when it comes to, are you an early riser? Are you a night owl? Do you need a nap in the middle of the day, if that's even possible? Uh, and and if, it, if it is possible, I highly suggest it. But uh, that, again, yeah, matching the most important work uh, to the most productive times. And again, like we were talking about earlier, this is like the next level of managing by task, not time is to once you're managing by task, then if you can do those tasks at the most productive time, you can do them faster. And I'm not saying everything should be done faster, but Hey, if it can be done faster because you have more energy at certain times of the day, why not?
0: Exactly. No, I mean, it's all about thinking, you know, What is going to require energy and attention and focus? and doing those things when you have energy and attention and focus and not doing things that don't require that level of discipline. I, one of the things that always makes me saddest, I know a lot of people are working with compressed work hours these days because, you know, we've got kids at home, maybe they're trading off hours with a partner and, you know, it's finally your time to work at noon. You sit down in your office and start cleaning out your inbox. It's like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't do that. Like the hours that are focused and that you are not going to be disturbed should be oriented toward your top priority tasks. So you can delete those newsletters at any point. You can, you know, do that while you're chasing people around the house. But save the time that deserves your best work for your best work.
1: checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond. Again, go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash beyond. I think one of the other things then is uh, those distractions. (laughs) <laughs> that come up. Uh, one of the things I know that you suggest is having a look up later list. That's I always have that sitting uh, here as paper, not digital, because, again, if I'm focused on a screen and I'm like, oh, yeah, let me go open up that other digital thing to go put that, you know, to, to make that tally mark of, hey, look up article on such and such later or investigate this later. Uh, I'm going to go down rabbit holes in the digital world. But if I just pull a pad over real quick and pull a pen and just write that down and then slide it away again, out of sight, out of mind, almost like meditation.
0: And this is especially important for people who are working from home, because some of those distractions seem very, very productive. I mean, you know, it's like you're working along on something and then you're like, wait, I we need meat for dinner. Did that make it out of the freezer? Right. Let me just go quick. Do that since I'm right here. Like It's 10 steps to the fridge. The problem with doing that, of course, is that then you'll notice the dishes in the sink or, you know, the mail that's unsorted sitting under the microwave and you got to deal with that. And you can wind up with these chunked up bits of time. And, and you know, there's plenty of distractions in life that we can't do anything about. So it's best to avoid the ones that we can do something about, the ones that are more self-inflicted. So, yeah, that's why I suggest the later list. And I'm glad to hear that you have one. Uh, it's been a real game changer for me, too.
1: Yeah, not only that, but then... Um taking breaks. And I know that this isn't maybe necessarily something you um, suggest, but I will, uh, which is one, not scheduling everything back to back to back and giving breathing room in your schedule for, you know, especially if you've got compressed hours. But when it comes to taking breaks, you just mentioned, you know, hey, seeing those dishes. Like if I say, hey, later today, I'm going to take 15 minutes as a tangible task I will go stand there and do those dishes and enjoy that I'm not working at that time. And I'll be standing instead of sitting at my desk and I'll be doing something with my hands instead of something with a screen. Um, I find that and plus, then it makes everybody else in the house happy and me happy, too. So you can actually do <laughs> I don't want to suggest doing this all the time, but you can do some chores as a break.
0: You definitely can, as long as you keep it under control, right? Because if you're like, I'm going to clean the whole house as my break, well, then you're just procrastinating. (laughs) So make sure that that's not what you're doing. It's a small task that you can, you know, finish what you set out to do. Uh, the one other thing I would say is, you know, right now, lots of people have whole families working from home and that's, that's fine. But in the future, if you have prints, for instance, one party working from home and the other party not working from home, the party who works from home is not automatically responsible for all things, you know, related to cleaning, for instance, like just because that person is there. Um, so, you know, that has to be divvied up separately. It can be helpful, you know, to have somebody who could, for instance, meet a repair person or stick a load of wash in the in the washing machine. But um, that that shouldn't come as a, an assumption.
1: Yes, I've had that discussion at my house many times over, over. <laughs> <imagine>
0: you have. <laughs> yes. Uh
1: that's that's partly where my taking a you know doing a quick chore as a break. And again, uh having it be something that's premeditated, you know, that you you've already decided, no, you know what? As I'm starting my work day this morning, I know that later those dishes uh there's a small amount of them. They just need to be loaded. I'll go do that, but I'll do that in the middle of a you know time where I can get up and walk around and change of scenery makes does wonders for breaks as well.
0: Anything that gets you up from your desk does some, you know, uses a different part of your mind can really replenish your energy. Yeah. Uh, what about
1: ending well? I know that you know we've talked about starting your day off right uh, when it comes to the remote work day. We've talked a little bit about Friday, but uh, specifically the whole the whole week, opening and ending the work days well.
0: This is so important because, and we said, there, there needs to be some way to let your brain know that the workday is done and that you are allowed to relax. You are allowed to focus on other aspects of your life, even if your workspace is visible from wherever you happen to be. And this is, you know, especially important now as lots of people have, for instance, a workspace in their bedrooms or you know by their kitchen table or, or you know some other place that you're going to see. Like it's not shut off. You're you're going to see it. And so you have to come up with a way to know that you don't need to deal with that right now. Um, so what can be an ending for your day? What, what will be your fake commute if you are working from home? And there's lots of things it could be. It doesn't have to be contrived. I mean, obviously going for a walk somewhere, if you need to run an errand, that could be helpful too. Walking a dog, you can, um, you know, call a colleague to say goodbye or some organizations. Uh, it's funny a lot of organizations started doing 9 a.m check-ins to make sure everyone was there uh, during the pandemic I saw a lot fewer do 445 p.m. goodbye ceremonies <laughs> but in my mind if you are going to have the 9 a.m check-in you better have the 445 p.m. goodbye ceremony as well because um, otherwise you know you're just taking advantage of saying you have to be here on time but we'll let you drift out toward late hours or whatever um, you know it could be looking at tomorrow's to-do list uh, it could just simply be shutting down the computer. You know, sometimes it's it could be as simple as that, but something to end the day, some ritual to let you know, okay, we, we fought the good fight. We are you know, renewing our energy so we can fight the good fight again tomorrow.
1: Basically a psychological, I don't want to say trick, but I'll, I'll go with that, uh, that lets you signal to yourself, hey, I'm done for the day. Now transition into what else I'm doing. It kind of lets you leave work at work, if you will
0: which is important, you know, it's not even just that, you know, we all want breaks that you are better able to achieve things at work. If you give yourself a break from thinking about it. because um, I know I had this problem when I was first working from home and I didn't have a family at the time. I was, you know, living by myself for big chunks of time because my roommate would travel for work. And so I would just sit there and half work and half not work all evening, like surfing the web but answering the occasional email or working on something sort of half-heartedly, but not really getting anywhere. And it's just completely wasted time and, and not helping matters. Uh, so I had to come up with something else to do with that time. And in my case, what I wound up doing is joining a bunch of community choirs as it forced me to leave the house and go out and see other people. And, you know, I became much more efficient, uh, which had many upsides. But, you know, I think people need to figure out what what could that thing be, not only that you have some sort of shutdown ritual, but that you have something you are shutting down for, um, something that makes you want to end work at a reasonable time so that um, you have a compelling enough personal life that that work doesn't automatically fill all available space.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Something else that kind of ties into The planning on Fridays as well as the opening and ending uh, your days well is this idea of creating an ideal week.
0: So you can think about how you would like to spend your time. And by doing so, you vastly increase the chances that you start to spend your time that way. And this is an exercise I have lots of people do just sort of, you know, if you were at your best self, what would your week look by? And I like the phrase realistic ideal week because, you know, if we're talking about perfect week, like I'd have a flying car, I wouldn't have to wait in traffic, you know, <laughs> there'd be all sorts of things that do not actually happen in the real world. So the realistic ideal week is that, okay, a person like me with the various constraints I have on my life and the realities of biology and physics, what would a good week look like? Like what would be sort of a template for the weekends? Like when do I think I would like to work? How much sleep would I be getting? What would I do with my evenings? What would be, you know, hobbies I do or when my breaks would happen? What kind of work would I focus on at different points? And once you have this schedule, you can work to make parts of this a reality. And the upside of remote work is often you do have more say over your time. And so, you know, if you're thinking, well, I'd really like to exercise at 9 a.m., but I've always, you know, had to commute and be at work by 9.30, so that just doesn't work. Well, maybe it works now, right? Like maybe you can, in fact, go for a 30-minute run and need still be at work at 9.30, even though you ran at nine. And so you could just try these things out and see what works and what doesn't and what parts you'd like to keep in your life.
1: One of the things that uh, we haven't really addressed here, but definitely comes into play in my life and in yours is kids and how, (laughs) you know, again, this is one of those things where in crisis mode, kids being home and, you know, roles being shift, you know, uh, shifted and shuffled can be, uh, again, feed into the distractions. But what are some of the ways that you found work best when it comes to maybe not getting rid of the kids altogether, (laughs) which is harder, (laughs) right? Uh, But but making work work when kids are present.
0: So. You know, I had this question come up a lot pre pandemic because I think some people were under the mistaken impression that working from home was going to be a great way to like save money on childcare. I say, like, well, you know, it's actually a really good way to go insane um, to attempt to be the primary caregiver for your children and to be focused on work. Like it's very, very difficult to pull off. Maybe there's somebody who can do it, but I haven't really met that person. Um, What winds up happening is that you feel pulled in a million directions. You feel like both a terrible parent and a terrible employee. Um, You can get so much more done in, let's say, you know, two hours when you're fully focused on work and then have fun in two hours with your kids and four hours where you're constantly going back and forth. I mean, you're just, the, the two feel completely different, even if it's the same total amount of time. So, you know, I'd always tell people, no, no, no. If you are working from home, like your kids need to be in school or daycare or be cared for by somebody else, whether that's, you know, your partner, another relative, a sitter, swapping with a neighbor, but somebody else other than you needs to be in charge during the hours that you choose to work. Then of course the pandemic happened. And a lot of people's, you know, preschool and school-age children are now home 24-7 in a way that they weren't before. And so people have had to figure it out. And I think long-term, like if you are staring down another semester of the kids being home and you and your partner, or if you don't have one trying to work, you know, you need to figure out a long-term childcare solution. It might mean hiring somebody to come in for a while, somebody who can, you know, keep to the same sort of social distancing guidelines that you are doing as a family. If there are more than one adult At home, then it's going to wind up being often some sort of swap schedule. I know a lot of couples have really made a science of this, um, of the exact hours that each party is working, and that the exact hours that each party is then keeping the children out of the other person's home office. And if you do that, you can you can both work like thirty hours a week and and have most of those hours be pretty purely focused. But it has to be very very disciplined um, to happen. But you need to figure out something because. It is very very difficult to, you know, keep answering kid questions or trying to entertain kids with a toy while you're trying to take a phone call. It just it's it's a recipe for feeling frazzled and unhappy, and I really hope people can avoid that if at all possible.
1: And there's so many different, I don't know, flavors or factors when it comes to, you know, the age of the kids and the 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 amount of need that they have, the compliancy that they will allow you in terms of, you know, uh, cooperating. You go to, into a lot of different, you know, potential options when it comes to this, uh, in the book. But again, it, it all comes down to almost thinking of, well, more or less thinking of the other people in your space as coworkers that you have to have an agreed kind of, let's just say office politics with them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And and I do want to stress this, like, you know, we have a tendency to, you know, the grass is always greener, right? Mm-hmm. On the other side. So people are like, oh, I'm getting so distracted at home. It's like, okay, do you remember how somebody would come by to talk about like Joe's outfit, like the the ridiculous tie he was sporting in that meeting or like come by to talk to you about what happened to the cheese on the cafeteria salad bar and other such things that, you know, may be interesting, but were not what you were intending to focus on at that particular moment. And that would happen a lot. (laughs) I mean, really. So it's not that Home or work are inherently distracting one place or the other. There are distractions for either. I do think that the distractions at home on the lo- in the long run can be better managed um, because you can, in fact, come up with a childcare arrangement for your kids. It is a lot harder to convince your coworkers to stop stopping by and telling you about the salad bar. Um, th- that's just a, a different ballgame. So I have seen stats that when people really need to buckle down and get stuff done, most people would prefer a home office versus an office place during work hours because that is seen as a very distracting place.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I do think back sometimes to when I was in a, com- uh, a cubicle the last time and how distracting that actually was versus being at home. And again, it's manageable. And, and, and I think the biggest distraction from when you first kind of enter into the remote work lifestyle is this newfound lack or atrophied skill of uh, self-direction.
0: We are all having to be more <laughs> self-directed these days, and. Honestly, I mean that's good. It's a skill. It's a skill like anything else, and many people did not intend to learn that skill. Um, And and so you see a lot of people are very hesitant about working from home, and you know pinging constantly with other people to make sure everybody knows. Yeah, I'm not watching Netflix. I'm really working. Um, But and it's hard. It it is hard to set goals, to hold yourself accountable for taking steps toward those goals, for you know figuring out alternate solutions if the first one you try doesn't work, and your boss isn't sitting right next to you like these are all skills but we are not children like there are skills you need as an adult and and so i'm i'm glad that people are developing them i think it will be a real benefit when people do wind up back in the office i think people will find that management has somewhat changed you know and and sure there are some people who are more self-directed than others and in the past remote work was really a perk in many cases for people who had proven themselves precisely because a lot of people assume that other people would not be self-directed. But, you know, you fight your wars with the army you have. And we've found in the past few months that probably people will still get stuff done. Uh, It might be challenging, but they will still get stuff done. So anyone can become more self-directed if they would like to.
1: I also found that uh, other than developing the skill of being uh, self-directed, That optimizing my well-being was the other thing that kind of was lacking and I wasn't necessarily paying attention to. Again, it is and it isn't true, I guess, but it was for me, at least at first, that there was this psychological freedom of I went to my office despite a commute there and back. And I left my work there and I came home and then my time was now mine and that was good for my well-being, but there was a lot of other things that then suddenly I was realizing uh, when I stepped into remote work that I wasn't taken care of and now uh, definitely needed to or I wasn't going to function at home at all.
0: We all need to take care of ourselves. And the good news is that remote work and in these cases, working from home allows us more space to make those healthy choices. Um, There's some evidence that long commutes are negatively correlated with physical activity, which makes total sense if you think about it. Like, when do people exercise? Well, you know, seven in the morning, six at night. When are people doing long commutes? Well, guess what? Seven in the morning, six at night. That's when people would have had the time to exercise. And so if they have long commutes, they don't. If you are a wise remote worker, you could choose some of the time that you are saving by not traveling um, and you know, get some physical activity. If you don't have to wake up quite as early to get in a car for a long commute, you might be able to get a little bit more sleep. Um, that is certainly a, an upside that wise remote workers can do. Uh, they can also manage their energy um, so that the days that they are going somewhere, they can be their best selves as opposed to feeling very burnt out um, on, for instance, long travel days. They could make healthier choices um, in terms of eating, um, you know, if you are preparing your own meals, they generally are healthier than restaurant meals um, just because of the availability of fruits and vegetables and using less salt and fat and things like that. So, you know, if you're cooking dinner, great. If you're then eating your leftovers for lunch, wow, you know, you've got two healthy meals out of that. So there are ways to make healthy choices that optimize your well-being. Now, does everybody do that when they work from home? Of course not. There's probably people who are like ordering pizza for every meal and, you know, because they don't have a commute, they're going to stay up twice as late as they would before. But you can make these choices. And so I encourage people to consider doing so.
1: Yes, it, it enables you to make those choices easier instead of, oh, I got to do all that work just to take something to, you know, take that lunch to work. Uh, and it's got to be preservable to a certain extent, et cetera. I'm not saying that that wasn't impossible to be healthy that way. But yeah, I found once I was able to work from home, My morning was me going out for a walk first thing, and that was happening way less up till that point.
0: Yeah, there's just more space for it. Or even during the day. I mean, very few people will do a real exercise break during the workday at a workplace. Now, some offices are starting to encourage it, you know, say like, oh, we're going to all go for a walk together at lunch or something like that. You know, great. But it's it's very difficult to make happen. And in a lot of these places that are subjects, these strong group norms that, you know, exercise is not something you do at work. Or if you leave to go to the gym at lunch, you are clearly not a go-getter. I've, <laughs> I've really heard people express basically that exact thought. Um, I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's interesting. Cause you know, my thought is you're probably getting better ideas and having a better afternoon if you do that, but many people are aware of that perception. And so they won't, but it's just not there when you're at home. Like if you don't have any more video calls after let's say two 30 and you got a half hour break, Sure, like go put on some exercise clothes, go for a walk, go for a run, go do a workout video, go lift some weights, and then you know start up again at three o'clock, and nobody can smell you. I mean, other in your family, and you know they're kind of used to it, so <laughs> it's, it's all good.
1: Yeah, uh, the, the the flexibility to be able to do all that uh, is just so much more. Uh, honestly, just so much more productive. I, I have found, and again, there's been different seasons where before anybody else in my house gets up. I'm the one who goes out the house, goes to the gym and will work out other times. Like today, I took the dog for a walk at lunchtime. And again, it's because I know what day it is. So I can do that. I can be flexible. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, the flexibility is a major upside. And, you know, we don't have to work from home to have flexibility. There's certainly places that have tried to put some of that into practice. But uh, there's just I mean, the group norms of seeing each other have their own tyranny. Now, they have their own upsides. You know, some people find it easier to be accountable for various things when they see other people being productive, too. But, you know, we have to be aware of these things and, and not having them around uh, allows for some interesting new possibilities in how we use our time.
1: I think the one other big thing then is that a lot of people will say, well, but if I work from home, Am I sacrificing long-term career goals or ambitions because I'm, you know, out of sight, out of mind, or can I work this towards my advantage?
0: This is why the pandemic is so interesting because this wasn't about a bunch of people suddenly need work life balance. And so we're all going to lobby to work from home two days a week and see how it gets. This was everyone, you know, the high flyers, the people who are about to get fired, like everyone is now working from home and had to start doing so very quickly. Um, you know, it's, I, I, it, it's just such a fascinating experiment. I've certainly had conversations with various business leaders in the past for, like, oh, remote work, so interesting. Trend for the future thing. We need to be aware of never work for us. It's like, yeah, turned out in March. It did work for you. you. You had to do it. So when faced with either shutting your business or letting your employees work from home, you decided that, hey, guess what? It turns out we can work from home. So right now, nobody is dealing with that. In the future, though, it is true that some of these old ideas of FaceTime and presenteeism and all that will come back up. Like, who who looks like a go-getter? The guy who's in the office for the longest hours. You know, the unspoken assumption that you should be at your desk when your boss walks in and you should not leave your desk until after your boss walks out. These are all things that are there. There's even, you know, the idea of... You know, you need to respond to your boss's emails or messages instantly that you'll somehow get more points for having done that, regardless of what you are actually responding when you respond immediately. I think, though, that if you handle it wisely, you can keep your career going with your foot on the gas, Um, but you just have to be strategic about it. One, I think this is not going to be an either or situation. I really do think that a lot of people will come to more of a hybrid setup, like work in the office two to three days per week, work from home two to three days per week. And if you're doing that, then you are in fact showing your face. So it's not like you're never showing your face. And if you concentrate those days in the office on being more social, being more collaborative, really going and visiting everyone's desk who's there, it, it can go a long way. It's probably better than being there five days a week, but not being so strategic about it. The other thing is that, When you are in an office five days a week, you invest a lot of time in your colleagues, and that's really cool. But I think you probably invest time in your colleagues past the point of diminishing returns. You form these sort of stronger bonds with them, but you don't form bonds with anyone else. And that's not great for your long-term career development or potential uh, because no job is eternal, right? Like if your organization goes through mass layoffs, your colleagues are really not that useful to you. The people who are useful to you are people who work elsewhere, right? Who can help bring you into other organizations or who know you through different parts of life. Um, So and if you do work from home and escape those group time norms that, oh, we all eat lunch together, we have coffee with colleagues you can go have coffee with someone else, right? Go have lunch with someone else. Take, you know, end your work day an hour early and have a long leisurely FaceTime chat with somebody who is not your immediate colleague, right? And by doing so, consciously choosing to do that, you can expand your network well beyond the people who you work with most closely. And that can light a major fire under your career. Again, do all remote workers do that? Of course not. I mean, there's plenty of people who just sit in their offices and don't reach out to anyone, (laughs) but you do have the opportunity to do it in a way that's a little harder when you're in a cubicle.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. I I keep thinking about, you know, what does it look like for people to go back to an office, at least uh, to a small extent? And it's really just about, hey, there is a good thing about meeting people in person and seeing them, but let's lean in on those good things that, are, that, you know, the positives of those. And then let's cut out the negatives of feeling like we have to sit somewhere and be babysat. So, yeah,
0: I mean, you know, being in a chair for eight hours when, you know, six of those hours you were basically emailing and calling people in other places is just such a waste. Like, why not concentrate those two hours each day that you were social and collaborative on two days per week <laughs> and then get rid of the commute on the other days? It just makes so much more efficient sense.
1: Well, there's so much more in the book that believe it or not, we've not even talked about in this conversation, but people can go pick that up uh again on Kindle or on audiobook and it's a quick read or a quick listen uh even if you don't ramp up the uh the speed, but uh <laughs> do you
0: ramp up the speed.
1: <laughs> some people will. Um <laughs> but uh it it's definitely worth listening to definitely worth grabbing e- either and or both copies and there's just so much in there that uh even a seasoned person like myself found um you know, Hey, you know what? I have let that get out of whack. I need to recalibrate that. And I need to have a conversation with this person about this. And I need to, I need to have a conversation with myself for that matter about a couple of these issues. So there's always some optimization that, uh, that can happen. So thank you for writing this. And I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of it.
0: Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that.
1: Glad to have you back on the show. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. It's again, it's called the new Corner Office. You can find it uh, basically on Amazon because it's a Kindle book. So there you go,
0: or anywhere that sells eBooks. Yes, or Yes, yes. There are like, other formats. Uh, Apple you know. Books, I guess, or darnsandnoble.com. dot com. But yes, it, it, it's electronic. Um, so you don't need to go to a grocery. No, go to a bookstore to get it. Just uh, download it yes. immediately.
1: <laughs> awesome, Laura. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk to you again sometime soon.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
1: Well, that's another podcast crossed off your podcast listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Laura Vanderkam. It's always excellent to talk about time with her. And I hope that you really take a strong consideration for grabbing the book, because like I said, I have been remotely working since 2013-2014, off and on before 2014, but 2014 through to 2020, even before everybody else started to. And this book really does condense the information down into a really easy to manage and consume and implement, and you really ought to consider grabbing it. So I've linked it up in the show notes. You can find those at beyondthetodolist.com. Also, if you found this episode helpful, would you do me the favor of sharing it with somebody? Think of that one person who you know is also working from home and could use this information, this listening in on this conversation, and share it with them. You can do it from those show notes or by hitting the share button in your podcast player app of choice. Do it now before you finish listening. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next episode.